Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the B Ball Jones podcast. And of course, I am your man, B Ball Jones. Uh, as you can see, I'm rolling solo right here. So, you pretty sure you know what that means that I have another interview, I have another guest coming on. And uh, I'm excited about this one. This is an interesting one for me, man. Um, gentleman is, of course, around the game of basketball. He is a coach/slash performance trainer. Uh, it's been fun chopping it up with him, man. And a good conversation that we had, I had to get him on a podcast. You know, it's always fun to get other people's perspective, of course. So, um, I like to do introductions, but I can't do an introduction better than that. Then they can introduce themselves. So, I'm gonna bring to the stage now, finally, Josh Washington. What's up, bro? What's going on, man? How you doing? I'm lovely, man. What about you? I'm good, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate you taking the time having me on. No, I'm glad, glad uh, I'm thankful that you, you know, hop on a podcast, man. So it means a lot. No, of course, man. Anytime. So like I said, man, I can kind of give you an introduction, but I'd rather have you introduce yourself to the people, man. So uh tell the people about yourself, what you got going on, and you know, get into it. Okay, definitely. Well, um, Josh Washington, uh, that's my name. Uh currently I've been around the game of basketball. Um, I'll explain that, but currently what I'm doing is working with performance hoops. It's the company I'm trying to get off the ground. Um, I've been around pros, been around the college game for quite some time. And um, I think, not that it's negative, but I think for me, especially having a little girl now, I kind of want to go my own route and um, basically just give back to the game. In that sense, you know, growing up playing basketball, we hear the stigma, you know, basketball players don't live or anything like that. And then we, mm-hmm. most people have injuries or, you know, a lot of coaches like me, they had injuries. They found a benefit of like training, you know, preparing yourself and your body. And then that's their way of giving back. They get back into coaching. So uh, that's essentially yeah. what I'm doing now, performance hoops. I'm really just trying to be one of the guys who bridge that gap between performance training and working out in the weight room. And then also the skill work on the court, bridging that gap in between. So you can see how it really translates to improving your game and, that's your performance on the court. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of my intro right now. <laughs> so you're a little bit of both. You do skills and performance. Yes. Uh, if I had to put a percentage on it, um, mainly performance. So percentage, I'd say 70-30. Uh, mm-hmm. So just I, w- I want people to understand that. Now, with that being said, I can go on the court and do something with the rock, too. So, like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not just in the weight room. But, you know, <laughs> my athletes, you know, clients I work with, I want them to know. I'm not just out here saying this, like I got, I can grab the rock and do the same thing. So, um, or at least try to, but uh, I'm all right. But yeah, that's, that's for me. You got a little note. I understand. I feel you, man. Like I yeah. try to, you know, <laughs> get in with my players to let them know, like, I'm not just training and coach. I still got a little hoop in me still. Like I don't oh, yeah. hoop like I used to, but I got enough to beat y'all. That's all, that's all that matters. I can beat my players. Right? That's all, that's all I care about. <laughs> yeah. Facts. <laughs> so uh, what's your clientele, man? What, what's the range of, you know, players that you're working with? Um, for me, and honestly, my background, like, so as far as like players, I've worked all the way down to seven years old throughout my history, but uh, all the way up into, I mean, I've worked in the, in the general population, personal training, gym setting. So some of my clients, you know, they're in their fifties, but uh, primarily like mainly um, all athletes, but specifically basketball athletes. And then age, I mean, we're looking from middle school up until pro, you know, elite level. So anywhere in there, but mainly right now it's high school, a couple uh, pro guys. And uh, honestly, it's guys who are, if I wasn't in coaching, they're similar to me in that they play at high school or they play college ball at some point and they still want to get back into playing basketball, but mm-hmm. they realize they can't be in the gym working out like a bodybuilder, right? Because you're trying to play basketball. Like you, your training is to kind of mimic that. So 
Um, I mean, here I am, you know, helping those guys out. So, I mean, uh, that would be like my clientele. Uh, yeah, mainly athletes, but basketball, I mean, that's my preference. So, but I mean, you know this with training, <laughs> training for sport, I mean, for, across all sports, like it's going to look similar. So basketball isn't like yeah. this whole like specific training compared to other sports is just, uh, I'm just familiar with like the, dem- you know, I'm familiar with the sport and understand what's mm-hmm. needed. So that's my expertise. That's actually very interesting because I was actually thinking of like to create something for that demographic too because mm-hmm. most programs that you have is usually, you know, specifically for athletes that are like kind of pro level but like actually training to be in sport. It's not mm-hmm. necessarily for the weekend hoopers basically, like the, the guys who used to play a little bit and trying to get back into it or whatever. So what made yeah. you want to, you know, target that area? Um. I think for me, if I was going to, because a lot of the guys, if I wanted to train elite level athletes, more often than not, it has to be in a team setting. So for me to kind of go my own route and, you know, to go the entrepreneur route, I got to look at like, you know, okay, what's needed of me? Like if it's going to be athletes in that demographic, it's probably not going to be the elite ones. They're already catered for with their teams. So it would be the the recreational guys, the guys who play open gym every here and there, or the guys who play frequently, but they always have those nagging injuries. I'm the perfect guy to go to, like, you know, to help with the training and things like that. Um, so it kind of just worked out on me just like thinking, okay, like, how can I fill this void or what's needed? And then, I mean, honestly, just kind of fell into it now that I think about it, but um, it made sense. And a lot of times, like the guys who do reach out, you know, via Instagram or what have you, they say like, hey, man, like, I've been, I've been doing your stuff. Like, I appreciate it. Telling me like they play rec league or, you know, what I'm talking about now, they play uh, once in a few uh, – at least they play frequently enough that they couldn't go to the gym and do that bodybuilding style of training, right? When they go in, they do only upper body and they barely, they don't even do legs because they're on the court, but they wonder why their knees and their ankles, you know, it's, they wonder why the lower body's hurting. It's like, well, you don't train it. So, yeah. I mean, that's, you know what I'm saying? So really that void and then just trying to fill that area. And then again, like me, so it's technically I'm not an elite level athlete myself. I played division three basketball, but, Right now, like I'm more on the rec- recreational side. So the training I'm doing is very similar to what I would prescribe someone else. You know, we're doing the same thing. Um, but, and then for me, so doing it that way, I've always been a component or a fan of, if I'm gonna have somebody do the training, like I have to do it myself. So mm-hmm. it's perfect, like explaining it to them or having a conversation with them. It's like, hey, I'm doing the exact same thing. I know what you're feeling. Yeah. You know, I had two knee surgeries growing up. That was part of the reason why I got into training. So, I mean, I'm right there with them. And it's not, like I said, it's not somebody just saying, hey, here's a program. Here's what you do. Let me know how it is. Like, no, I'm right there with you. So, yeah. um, again, I'm just using that to my advantage. But then I think for me and my clients, like, they also realize I'm relatable. So, mm-hmm. whether it be me working with, like, the college basketball athlete or the recreational guy, like, I'm in their shoes. But the college athlete is like, hey. I was in school once in D3 level, but I know what it was like to juggle school and juggle sport. You know what I'm saying? It happened to do both. So, yeah, man. Mm. Yeah, I like that, man. But um, so now for the college athlete, how much different is that program and workout versus what you do for yourself and, you know, the, the Red Coopers? Okay. Well, uh, I, I'd say uh, overall, like the, the volume and the total workload uh, for the college athlete will be a lot more than myself. But you have to think of why and i mean we can get into that so with the college athlete they play on average maybe 40 games in a season and it's condensed i mean they go they most of them they take a break they come back and 
August, and then they they pick 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 back up with training. But then I think right around September or so, or October, excuse me, um, they get into practice, right? And that means yeah. you you're going from four maybe five days a week in the off season till now you get back to school you five days a week and then once October hits like once you guys just start practicing seven days a week I mean excuse me six days a week that Sunday's are off days but um you're going six days a week so with their training like you kind of have to match that and typically in the college setting off season preseason you're probably training four times a week um some guys maybe special cases where they get in extra work whether they want to whether they need to and then once you get into in season training as far as like the days, it'll drop down to three, especially more so for those high minute guys. But again, you're trying to equate the total volume load. So um, as far as like the exercises, some are very similar from a college athlete to what I would do myself. Um, and I'll give you an example here. Like if I have a college athlete doing a trap bar jump and uh, honestly, the exercise as far as like teaching it and actually executing it, I think it's very remedial. It's not hard. You grab a trap bar. And even when I coach and explain, it's like, yo, load up and jump, jump as high as yeah. you can be explosive. Right. So if I could explain that to them, like I'm not going to handicap myself or somebody else who's playing a rec ball. If you can do that movement, like, OK, cool, let's train, let's execute, let's do that movement. So yeah. um, there wouldn't be any way I limit that. But I guess the biggest difference, what you would notice with myself doing that same trap bar jump and then them doing that same trap bar jump, they're a lot more fluid with it. <laughs> and um you've been around like basketball players and I was just having a conversation with one of my clients. He says, man, I was in the gym and I seen these pro dudes and you can really tell like the difference, like their whole swagger and everything like that. But he was saying like, you could tell when they move, when they execute a move on a court and then I can do that same move, but it don't look as good. I'm like, Hey, it's the same thing mm -hmm. in the weight room. So that trap bar jump and my execution, I'm a coach, right? Mine's probably on a good day, eight, eight and a half. Theirs might be a, a, a nine on a bad day. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. that would be the difference. But, um, Training is very similar. I think the biggest thing is the volume, the quality of the work, because they are elite level athletes. They're most of the time, they're pretty good movers. Um, so you see that exemplified in their training and when they move, when they execute movements. Um, so uh, yeah, honestly, no big differences like that. It's just the quality and what you see in the athlete and more often than not, like their strength levels, like you'll see some guys that you're impressed by what they could do just because they're strong physically. Um, and how you define strength, like that could be a lot of dudes, whether it be reactive strength or just absolute strength. So like it's a difference there. But um, yes, yeah, I mean, honestly, training is very similar. It's just the quality and then the, uh, the overall volume, I think it's predicated for the sport. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Because like you said earlier, it's, it's the whole sport specific thing has gotten a little too far sometimes. And mm -hmm. for the most part, it's like... Uh, Probably I, I don't I haven't seen your program or anything. Probably like eight percent, maybe even nine percent is probably the very similar stuff. You're just tweaking little things here and there to make it different. You know what I mean? So yeah. So for your college guys versus basically youth guys like the high school, middle school, what's the mm -hmm. differences from there to there? Ooh, okay, this is actually a good one. So, and with that, with the, I think people have to understand the dynamic. So when you're dealing with athletes in general you have to understand some of them don't like training and you want to make that environment fun or ultimately to get like effort out of them to have them really put in an input to really to really like manipulate them force outputs that you're looking for in training like you have to have buy-in and by doing that you got to make it fun whether it be the music your personality doing something and like really explaining like yo the reason why you can't jump <laughs> or the reason why you can't dunk, you don't have no bounce. This trap bar jump, this does that for you. 
right now I got you locked in. So I say that uh, on the front end because from a college athlete to high school to middle school, at the end of the day, like social media and everything like that that's going on, like their attention span is short. So for me, like in a training environment, I have to make it fun if I'm really gonna like, if we're really gonna make use our time valuable and make our time valuable and actually using it. So I think for them, with the younger kids, when I say make it fun, doing a really heavy back squat, probably not fun. Maybe, right? It might be a couple guys who like, hey man, let's see how heavy we can get. Okay, cool. But a lot of kids, they don't want to do that. Now, if I mention something like, hey man, let's do this back squat, you know, John Morant, if you think about it, it's the same movement pattern. So if you're really trying to jump high like John Morant and really hopefully dump one day, if I'm talking to a middle school athlete, this is something I would work on. Mm-hmm. And then within that, I might make a little competition, like, okay, who, who had the best form? Now I'm not really like making it about weight because really at that age, it's really about executing form, right? You're still growing. You're still trying to learn movement patterns. So that might be something I gear more towards them as opposed to actual force I was put. With a middle school kid, I'm thinking movement quality, right? How well can you move? How well can you move under load? And then working within that, they have a long, hopefully long athletic career, you know, history that they can work on. It ain't about like numbers or anything like that. It's more so about having that environment, creating uh, the mindset that, man, actually working out is kind of fun. And if I do this, I actually will get better at sport. It also builds confidence, right? So I could take that to the high school level. They might be looking to get scholarship offers, you know what I'm saying, stuff like that, looking to play at the next level. So now those numbers and stuff mean something more to them. Movement quality is still important, but now I'm looking at, now I'm beginning to look at force outputs. And then I'm looking at, the again, the longer picture. So for them, it's like, coach, I want to squat this, I want to squat that, cool. I'm still making it a, a priority of movement quality. So now I'm like giving a tidbit, tidbits to them where it's like, yo, do you want to do more weight? Cool, I need you to execute this squat. And I'm gonna make it, naturally it's probably gonna be subjective on how I feel about it, but cool, right? That's my job, I'm the coach. But it's like, yo, you trying you trying to add extra 20 pounds? I need you to really execute this set. You gotta show me you can do the 20 pounds. If this don't look good, why would I add more weight? Very simple, right? That's creating that buy-in for them. And then up into the college athlete, kind of that same mindset, but the stakes are higher now, right? So instead of me being in high school trying to get a scholarship, now I'm in college trying to get to the league or play pro. And then now with the NIL deal, right, that's another component. But I mentioned all these things because even though I'm a coach in the weight room, there's other things that are in play that you have to be thinking about, that you have to put yourself in their shoes and realize what they're thinking. So with that training, it's like, man, coach, like, if I'm do- like what is what is this going to do to help my opportunity? And then whether it be getting to the league or maximizing your NIL opportunity, whatever it's going to be. So if I was a strength coach in the D1 setting and I know it's Friday and I really – Friday is a good day to end the week we really hitting some like strength movements in the weight room, but I know you, you kind of like, I know your personality, right? And like, you really ain't vibing with the weight room like that, but you worried about your marketability and stuff like that. Right. And I'm painting a picture here. So to say, if Friday's a big day, I'm hitting up our video guy, our, our, our photographer and say, Hey man, you mind coming through in the weight room? Here go our training session. And I say that because you know how some guys are when the lights come on, they ready, they show yeah. up, they show out. <laughs> and people like coaches knock that. And I mean, like it is what it is, but, Use that to your advantage. And so I know I used to feel differently about it in the past, but because again, I mentioned social media and where it is now, I know a dude's not gonna perform perform that squat the same way with or without a camera in my hand or with the, mm-hmm. without my phone in my hand. And again, if I'm using that, I'm gonna use that to my advantage. Yo, I need you to really try with this squat, man. Coach, I ain't really, come on, man, let me, I'll get it for the gram. I'll tag <laughs> you in it, right? I, like, I, trust me, like your followers wanna see this. Like I'm saying stuff to, to them like that and it's jokes, but 
tell me they're not really thinking that, right? So, oh, I mean, yeah. right, you know what I'm saying? So, like, and it's nothing wrong. I think people are so quick to point the finger. I'm like, yo, the day and age is just changing. Social media is going to be here whether you like it or not. They're going to use it whether you like it or not. Use it to your advantage. So I'm tapping into that. I'm saying, hey, get this right. Trust me. Hey, matter of fact, you're trying to go pro. Them agents and them teams, they want to see what you, what you, what your work ethic look like. We're talking to them about cleaning up their social media and their appearance and, you know what I'm saying, their image. Show that you're working hard, right? Mm -hmm. Trust me, like I'm getting something out of it for sure because now they're trying, even if it means I have a camera in my hand, but then they getting something out of it also. It's all about painting that picture, or not painting that picture, but showing them like, yo, like it's bigger than the weight room. What you doing in here, people do want to see, but then it goes to like your work ethic, your consistency. How you, and I'm a big believer in how you do anything is how you do everything. So if you're not really going hard in the weight room, what does it look like in a classroom? What does it look like on a practice court? And then are you one always to complain, man, coach ain't giving me no opportunity. I'm like, well, I see how you are in the weight room. And if I imagine if you like that, then what you do in the classroom? Why would coach want to play somebody who he's got to question his grades or you hating on your teammate's success? That's a whole nother conversation. But anyway, um, you know what I'm saying? So like I say that because I'm in the weight room, I'm coaching that way. But the reason why I love it so much, I'm around young men and I get to help them grow into adults, right? Mm -hmm. You get out of the college game or you go into that real world, like, that's it. There's no safety net. There is no, like, redo. It ain't a video game. You can't get a do-over, right? That's this life. So yeah. trying to teach them and instill them them habits and work ethic, principles, morals, stuff like that in the weight room. And then hopefully, you know what I'm saying, it carries over. But, um, yeah, man, that's uh, that would be the difference. That's my long answer. But, you know, I said we can get into it. So mental toughness is one of the biggest things that I know pretty much every coach preaches to the players. And it's also one of the biggest factors in a player's game is the mental toughness. So um, I know that a lot of coaches wish their players would be mentally tougher and they struggle with teaching them and understanding you know, what mental toughness is to apply it to the game. So to help you guys out, I wrote a whole ebook breaking down what mental toughness is, different factors that make up what mental toughness is, and uh, different ways that you can apply it to your life and your game because it's a good blend of uh, the player and the person of how both sides of you can grow in your mental toughness. So I wrote I wrote it down in an ebook, The Mental Toughness Playbook. The whole ebook is about 50 pages, a little less than 50 pages, easy to read, a simple breakdown of what mental toughness is, different factors and different areas in it that impact your mental toughness and uh, how you can grow and develop in there. So if you're interested in it, send the description below. So go ahead and look in the, uh, hit that link and invest into yourself by investing into your mindset and mental toughness. Because I personally believe that uh, your your brain and your mind is so much powerful than you give it credit. So invest into your mindset and then your body will follow afterwards. So the mental toughness playbook, get the ebook below. Uh, if you tune into it, thank you. I appreciate it. If not, it's fine. Get back to the rest of the episode. See you later. No, I don't. That was all good points, bro. Like, do you think so? Um, but one thing you talked about was like the social media part, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I know me personally, I have a love hurt relationship, you know, because I, if I had my way, I wouldn't exist on social media. I just train, do what I gotta do, and whatever. But like you said, it's here to stay, it's a tool, use it or be used by it, whatever. So it's like, how do you personally, because that's actually how we connect it, you know, I, I mm -hmm. saw you social media and everything. So, um, how do you personally? view social media for you at this point because some people love it and they you know thrive on it whatever but for you personally how do you you know, view social media and like how do you personally like um utilize that besides like the 
the benefit for the kids, but how do you, you know, personally utilize it for you? For sure. So for me, and first and foremost, like social media, always viewed it as a tool. I mean, it's entertaining for sure, but at the end of the day, it's a tool and it is what you make it to be or what you want it to be. So I say that because the people who may be against social media, they may not want their personal life out there. You know, so they might want to keep things private and that's totally fine. Social media may not be for you, but if you're an entrepreneur or if you're selling something or if you're trying to reach people, you, social media probably will be for you just because like you have a greater audience. I'm, I can reach out pe to people like across the world. So um, it is what you make it. For me personally, I choose to use it. I have my first page originally and mainly all I posted was strength conditioning content, basketball. That's all I was really into. That's most of the accounts I followed anyway. There's some friends I followed, some I didn't. Some were upset that I weren't following them. I just kind of explained to them, like, hey, this is how I choose to use my Instagram. It's nothing personal, but I don't want to be on here wasting my time. And I know that what that's what can happen if you're following a bunch of accounts for entertainment. Mm -hmm. Next thing you know, you're scrolling. So for me, like, I definitely try to, like, avoid that. I still do it from time to time, but you are what you consume, right? So just trying to be mindful of that. So a lot of the, what the content I follow, how I choose to use it, strength conditioning, training content, uh, I take a holistic approach to it. So it's mental health, um, it's the yoga, I mean, <laughs> you name it. But if it's anything health related, I'm probably following that. That's how I choose to use it. I had the performance hoops account just because, I, again, I wanted to like find that niche and then really like make my own, my content be directed towards that. So that's how I choose to use it. Um, I follow a couple accounts in it for entertainment. Um, I mean, outside of this, like, I'm like everyone else, man. I like to have a good time. I enjoy a good laugh like the next person. So, mm -hmm. um, and I have like group chats on there with my with my friends, you know, my homies. So if anybody, like if there's some like entertain, like honestly, that's where my entertainment comes from. It's not even me following accounts. It's me having a conversation with the homies, chopping it up that way. And then, um, I mean, other than that, like that's how I choose to use it. I'm trying to think of anything else that I'm missing. Um, yeah, man, I said, I know sometimes people get upset when they see stuff on there. I'm like, you don't have to follow it. Just unfollow it. Keep it, keep it moving. Right. It's not, it's really not a big deal. And then, I mean, I guess you found people, you can find out when people unfollow you and stuff like that. And there's a whole bunch of metrics and stuff that you can look into. But again, it's a tool at the end of the day. It is what you make of it. You don't have to use it. But again, if you're trying to reach people or if you're selling something, I feel like that's vital at this point, whether you like it or not, because nobody's going through Remember the, the uh, what is it, the yellow pages? Nobody's going through the phone book anymore. You know what I'm saying, <laughs> right? <laughs> they would go to Google folks. I, Google first. I might have showed my age on that one, but um, nobody's going through that anymore. I just seen. I still go to Google and Yelp, but I just found out on people more likely to go on TikTok for like restaurant reviews and stuff like that. And I was like, I didn't know, mm -hmm. but it's changing, man. So, yes, yeah, a tool. Use it how you choose, but at the end of the day, like you don't. Nobody's making you use it. You don't have to. So, yeah. You mean you might show both our ages? I laughed at the joke, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yellow pages, man. That's that's yeah. dope right there. I'm, I'm pretty right. sure most people don't even know what that is, but no, he said, like, What is that? They well, they're gonna have to hit up Google to find out, man. <laughs> like you said, they probably hit up TikTok, man. What is yellow page? Right. Man, let me <laughs> see this hashtag. Is this right? <laughs> yeah, man. Um yeah, man, I I like that because I'm I'm I, like one thing that shifted for me personally, and it really like really helped me out in business and as far as social media and stuff too. Is like once I detached from it and I saw it as a business, mm -hmm. it changed everything. Because before it was like it was me, 
and I felt like it was kind of my personal page and my business page and this, that, and whatever. Once I completely separated from that and made it, this is a business page, the mindset shift went to, oh, I, I can't afford to sit here and treat this like it's just a hobby or just, because me personally, I, I wouldn't post if it's right. if it was my choice. But as a business, like it's one guy I follow, uh, he was like, you have to really start respecting your business and your page as a business. Because you don't see Nike taking days off. You don't see McDonald's taking days off. So why are you taking right. days off if you're trying to be a business? And I was like, ah, you didn't have to hit me like that, man. Like, right. ah. So <laughs> from that point on, I was like, okay, let me also reevaluate everything from top to bottom. Like you said, who I'm following and the content that I'm I'm putting out. Because make sure it's, it's very niche down, like you're saying, for your performance suits page. It's like make sure everything is very targeted and it's very specific. I can get a little less sometimes, get into what I want to post, but is that actually what my audience needs? So right. that's that's a balance, man. So how do you kind of figure that out for yourself? It's like, okay, I want to post this, but does this make sense to post for this? Or I feel like I need to talk about this, but this is relevant for this. So how do you balance and find what makes sense for you to post with that being the juggling act of what you want to post and what's needed or what they want? Yeah. So for me, if it's something I want to post. I just put that on my personal page. Um, but honestly, if you see on there, like I post rarely. So now I've been trying to transition that page to make it a little more personal, but I'm, I'm right along with you, man. Like I really don't like put myself out there, like on social media, or, like on any platform. Like for me is if you want to know who I am, like here's my phone number, you know, we can chop it up, FaceTime, what have you. But, uh, mm -hmm. I like them personal interactions more than I do like to the public on that end. But, um, as far as like the performance suits page and like the content, like you said, if you're trying to run a business, like they're not take like the ones up the ones at the top they're not taking any days off so why should i so for me i try to post content frequently um there's a point where i was cranking it out every single day um just trying but i think from there is looking at and instagram does a great job i mentioning this i'm sure the other sites do too but as far as providing those metrics right so for me i look at the posts that do really well as far as likes or engagement and i'm looking at the one of the demographics right what's the age group where mm -hmm. are they from you know where are they at and then why, like, why did that, basically I'm trying to find out why did that post do so well and then recreate that content. Um, I know a lot of people repost the same content. I haven't done that yet. Not that I'm against that, just haven't. But someone made a great point to say, I'm a, I've reposted this post I'm sharing with you right now eight times already, but you didn't even notice. So like, there's, no wrong, there's nothing wrong with repurposing or resharing content. Sometimes people didn't see it the first time. Um, so that's something you could do. Um, people might call it recycled content, but if I'm doing one training program and then I do it again, technically that's recycled too. So, I mean, I don't mm -hmm. see the argument there, but um, mm -hmm. that's, what I, that's where I'm at with the posting. Uh, I try to post frequently. I'm looking at, I mean, even when I have posts, I ask people questions like, what do you want to see more of? Or like if people DM me, okay, cool. Like that, like them are opportunities for me to create content specifically for that. And then for me, just reaching out, if I know somebody reached out to me and said something and I create content about it, I'm going to go and tag them. Yo, <laughs> what we were talking about before, here was a post for that. Or I'll share it to my story. And that's just a way to create engagement, things like that. Um, for me, with my page, I'm just trying to show people I'm not just some coach trying to do it on his own or anything like that. Like, I still play ball, but then I want you to know, like, I'm a real person right here. I'm not, I'm not just some computer or anything like that. So when they do reach out, I do try to respond. Um, I think sometimes some of the questions are a little elaborate. It's like, Man, like no offense, like I don't have the time to like really go into detail the way you would want. Um, mm -hmm. And like that might be like a time where I can hop on a call with them, like a consultation or something like that. But um, yeah, that's where I try to post the, post the content. 
I think some of my posts that I've done well, people like, they see the pros and it's like, well, how can I do what they're doing? And some things you can mimic just because like you can break that down and you can regress it for like someone like myself. But then there's some things where it's like, hey, man, realistically, you probably can't do that. Probably don't need to be doing that. Like it's not really conducive to what you're trying to get done. So, yeah. and I guess an example for that would be, I always like bringing up Steph because we see like his shooting drills and stuff like that pregame. And it's like doing that isn't going to help you shoot like Steph. Getting up quality game reps will help you become a better shooter on a long, long road to getting anywhere close to Steph. But shooting from half court is not going to help you. The reason yeah. why Steph can do that, right, his, his skill level is totally different. And he's so elite. It's like, yo, in order for you to continue to get better, I have to tap into something totally different. Mm-hmm. So Steph shooting half court shots might be a challenge for him. But then he also can shoot like five, maybe 10 feet behind the three point line with ease. But you, you see this, you see what I'm saying? Like, as far as the yeah. skill level, so someone like myself would be maybe shooting a regular NBA three might be comfortable for me, but then me stepping outside my range would be three to five feet back. Mm-hmm. But again, I don't need to be shooting half court shots. Like, that's not going to help me at all. But the shot trajectory will be totally different for myself mm-hmm. compared to a st- step, right? And when you see him shoot those shots, his half court shots looks very identical to his three point shot. But again, he's maxed mm-hmm. at those mechanics. It's a reason why he's an elite level shooter. Um, but yeah, that's how I would kind of. I'm getting off track here, but that's where I would go with the posting and things like that. And then how my thought process behind it, like why I'm posting what I'm posting. I'm really trying to reach out to my followers or whoever's into the content. So if anybody does follow me, shoot me a DM and say, hey, could you do more of this or comment on a post? I actually respond back and answer because I mean, the content's for myself, but it's what I'm seeing. I'm also like, I'm not everywhere, right? But some people might have a different perspective. Like, yo, why don't you post about this? Or what's your thoughts on that? And mm-hmm. it's kind of for me, at the end of the day, I'm posting content to open up the door for conversation because mm-hmm. I love basketball. I like chopping it up, training perspective, court perspective, like I'm watching the game. So that's just my way to open up a door for conversation, at least on the training side of it. Mm-hmm. You got me thinking, man. Who who would you say you play like? Or, you know, maybe when you were okay. a kid, you play like, because I see Vince Carr in the background. So I'm like, did yeah. you got the buttons like that? Or, you know, okay. Who, who, who would you say your comparison is? And let's, let's not be, you know, uh, moderate or try to be humble here like be for real like if you feel like yeah. you're getting it up like Steph then you know say you're getting up like Steph just you know okay. be able to back it up with film or something man that's all I'm saying so if you had to say your comparison you know or two three people who would you say he's like so I would say um I'm not a shooter <laughs> let's get that out <laughs> the way uh and I say that now because if anybody's listening like they know like I'm not known for shooting but I've always been athletic so I do have had bunnies I still can get up but not like I used to but um the Vince Carter jersey, I actually had a chance to work with Vince when I was back with the Kings, and that was a gift from, uh, I mean, I'll explain him later, but that was a gift from uh, one of my friends, mentor, somebody uh, who I've known in the field, had a chance to work with. So, yeah, gave me that. But um, so very athletic. I'm a slasher. Like, my mid-range game is nice. I'll say that. Like, if, I'm, if I was trying to get a bug, game was on line, my mid-range, um, I do got some bounce. If I had to compare myself to NBA players. So I'm left-handed, and I got. I was told, he was like, he called me like dude called me Lamar Odom and I would say that's a, that's a fair comparison. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not that tall. Like I'm about six, three, like I said, I play D three ball. So in reality, that's like small forward at the D three level. So maybe I could see that, but, um, lefty, I can see the comparison. Like I'm a playmaker. Like, I can get my own bucket, but I like, I like, I think like my basketball IQ is pretty high enough on the level that I understand the game. So I'm trying to share the rock. I like making like, 
those good plays, you know what I'm saying, where it's like, man, they yeah. moved the ball, they did this, they did that. I'm like, yo, that's a good, that's a good team right there. So I'm that dude trying to make that happen. Um, don't get me wrong, like, I like getting my own buck. That's probably probably the reason why I do go to the gym. I'm still working on my game. And then now, especially like on the rec level, nobody's really playing like that. So I mean, for me, it's like it's an opportunity to get my own my own shine on. So um, I would say Lamar Odom. That would be a fair comparison. So uh, currently, because I've realized some of my followers might be younger. I mean, you got. I would say pick your lefty out there. I can't think of anybody currently. Um, Jokingly, poor man Zion. I'll say that poor man Zion. I'll say that if I and when I say poor man, like I'm. I'm not trying to boast myself up like that because I'm nowhere near that man's level. But uh, I'm, I'm athletic, right? I'm athletic. I'm technically undersized, but I can play all positions. Like, yeah, I would, I would say that. Mm, Lo, I like the Lo comparison, man. I, yeah. I respect that. So now yeah. I see where your game is. That you playmaker, you know, a little, little bit of everything. You know, mm-hmm. I feel you. Okay. So who would you? Did you watch him growing up, or was it like, um, like who was some of the guys that you grew up watching? And, you know, try to patting your game after yeah so true and like real lo fans if you fan of basketball like you remember him back you know uh the big three him and the clippers before big threes were a thing it was him darius miles too rich so uh i remember lamar, lamar Odom from back then but um growing up my favorite every, everyone knows like my favorite player kobe like it was always kobe always gonna be kobe i mean it was nothing like it man i think growing up early on when i first got into basketball it was Michael Jordan, and but I didn't understand or appreciate the game at that age the way I can now or as I got older. Mm-hmm. So for me, like, Michael Jordan might be of the older generation. For me, it's Kobe, and for the current yeah. generation, it might be LeBron. But um, for me, it was always Kobe. So, I mean, like that, like, I try to make my game after him, but even more so, like, his mindset. And honestly, for me, and this is – this might upset a few people, but, like, when Kobe passed and everyone's trying to take on a Mamba mentality – I was kind of off put by it just because I remember watching Kobe's like videos and stuff like that. I remember he would do the six, six, six workout where for mm-hmm. six months out of the year, six days a week, six hours, you know what I'm saying? Like I remember all of that. So for me, it's like, yo, if you really was doing Mamba mentality, like it was more so like, I know I can tell you not doing Mamba mentality, no knock on anybody, but that work ethic was like a sickening level. I feel like very few people in the world could actually reach that. And then, you know, I, I try to like calm myself down and realize that, Hey, it's not that they're actually trying to do the mama mentality, but maybe that's a sign for them. They're like, yo, always go hard, always mm-hmm. give your best effort, no matter what. And I think that's something I myself, most people took from Kobe, but um, yeah, man, he was just, my man's was different. He was probably the closest thing we seen the Jordan from not just a skill level, but like that mental approach too. I mean, caps mm-hmm. was different. So definitely man, Kobe, um, due to what I enjoy watching now, uh paul george the other night was wild so paul george is a dude i like watching um mm-hmm. but ja might be my favorite and i say that because yeah, the skill level right the athleticism od but um him as a leader he's a young dude i think people forget that he just got the check right it's very easy mm-hmm. for him to kind of go off and like okay i'm good now and then do his but he's never been like that i remember being at auburn and we played against murray state he had it then like that whole, like, I don't, I don't know what it is, but a dude like that on your team, how would you not want to play with a dude like that? I don't care if he yeah. scores all the points. I don't care if like, he's the focal point. Like you see him on the court, like none of his teammates care about none of that. And they respond to him totally different. I'm like dudes like that. Like, I don't know what that is. You just see it. And it's like, nah, man, he, he, he got it. When people mm-hmm. say, well, what is it? I don't know, but he got it. Like that's, that's Josh. So 
I definitely ain't watching him, man. He's probably my favorite. Yeah, I'm a big Kobe guy. I'm with you as far as, you know, what Jordan was to the old generation, Kobe was for us, and like the next generation, like you said, it's LeBron. Got those stuff in there, too. I think it's, mm-hmm. you know, one of those guys. But Kobe was my dude. Like, yeah. still my guy. And the whole mama mentality thing, I'm with you on that to where it's like, I, I didn't feel a way when people did it. I, feel, I, I always felt like what, what he meant during his whole lifetime, people finally took that as a realization to be like, oh, snap, let me like actually apply some of the things that he's been teaching us for the 20 years he's in the game or whatever. Like yeah. I heard the story of some guy who uh, after he passed, he went to the gym and went crazy. And he went like, he lost, I don't remember exactly how much, but he went like, you know, big transformation in the weight room. So it's like, for some people, that was their awakening to be like, let me actually do things now. Like, let me apply mama mentality. Even, of course, nobody's Kobe level. That's the only conversation we can have about mama mentality, but um, that could be a whole episode, honestly, with me, bro. But, no, it's hey, 100%. <laughs> but it's just like, you know, but within that microcosm, like the small percentage of what mama mentality actually means to the general population, a bigger percentage to what it means to hoopers and stuff like that. It's still mm-hmm. only maybe 10% of what Kobe actually embodied of my mentality. But that 10% we have latched on to, it means so much. And that's the life-changing thing that, for me personally, I, I take to myself. And it's like, in business, it's like, man, when Kobe sit down and be like, B, you did your thing. Like, okay, I see what you're doing. Like, all right. Like, what would I get that Kobe stamp of approval would it be like, all right, you did your thing today. What you going to do tomorrow? All yeah. right, Kobe, let me, let me do my thing. Next, next day. Ah, that wasn't good enough, man. What you doing, bro? Like that ain't mama. That ain't that ain't it right there. I, I didn't teach you that, man. It's like, all right, bro, I got you. Like, so that's right. kind of how I talk to myself through that situation. Like, and I feel like that's what people, not even that specifically, but that's something that people got from a mentality, man. So, uh, jobs not jobs not finished, right? Jobs not finished. So, yeah. And uh, honestly, like that story you just shared, stuff I've seen out there, and it's like, man, that's really what kind of changed my approach, at least initially. Initially, and it's just like, wait a minute. Mamba mentality, what it means to me might mean something totally different to somebody else. And like for that individual you talked about, it got him in the gym. He started going there every day. Like you said, life-changing transformation. So another thing with that is Kobe was like very inspiring even after, you know, after he passed. So I think that was the big thing too, right? He inspired people. So regardless of what it meant, it got you inspired to do something. It could have been off the couch. It could have been to start that business player idea that you were scared to take a risk on. Like who knows? So. No, nah, man, if anything, like, I think that's one thing I can say, regardless of my perspective on it, I can share with everybody is you, at the end of the day, when you think Kobe, you think insp- inspiration for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the one thing that I, I try to tell people this all the time is like, I'm not happy about his passing at all. But the one thing about his passing that I personally can find peace with is that he got his flowers. Like mm-hmm. he was able to like, he knew how much he meant to the world. And like, he meant something to the whole world. Cause after he passed, I don't think we've seen anybody react or get that reaction across the world. Like Americans, we have certain people that we feel a way about, but like what other athlete meant that much to the world from our perspective, you could have some people back in the day that meant a lot, but they didn't have the the social media and everything around to touch the every corner of the world. Like we can now. So no offense to, you know, Ali or something like that, but he wasn't able to be marketed as well as Kobe was. So it's not, a fair comparison but you know just it's kind of what it is but like Kobe was able to smell his flowers before he left so like his family knew 
he knew and everybody around was like, yo, Kobe's really appreciated. Like he might have got every smelling and smelling every flower. It might not be a perfect ending, but that's one of the few people that I was like, okay, like I'm appreciate. I feel the love that I get, like all the hard work, all the years, the sacrifices, surgeries, late nights, early mornings. This is what is the result. So that's kind of gave me some peace about it to be like, he smelled his flowers before he was gone, man. So still tough though. I don't know. Yeah, man, for sure. Wait, oh, oh, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Tell me, hold on real quick. I got a, I just got a quick question for you. All right, okay, look, 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 look. So, what is your goal? Like, what are you going after right now in your life? Right? Are you looking to make the team? Okay, you didn't make the team, but you're looking to figure out how to make the team coming up. Or maybe you made a team, but you're riding the bench. You're not playing like you want to. Or maybe you're playing a little bit like you want to, but you're not a starter, or you're not finishing the games like you want to. Maybe you're the player, but you just you're just not quite where you want to be as far as recognizing your county or maybe your conference or your state, whatever you're trying to be recognized at. Um, whatever your goal is, I want you to forget about that. Like put it like it put it on the board or something, write it down in your phone and just put it somewhere and tuck it away. I want you to take that goal, throw it over there, and now I want to try a new one, right? I want to try P R O G. R E S S progress. I want you to make progress your goal. Okay. So take that big goal that you have now and take it, put it in your back pocket and just figure out how to make progress and work towards that goal. Because sometimes we get so caught up on the goal of the, the end goal where we want to be that we don't keep working forward and looking, working towards that goal like we should be. So every day I want you to wake up and figure out how to just make progress. How can I be better today than I was yesterday? It's been new tomorrow. The same exact thing. Figure out how can I be better today than I was yesterday. It doesn't matter how good you are or what you did yesterday. It's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. Your goal today is to make progress be better than you was yesterday. And so just if you need a reminder about that, all I want you to do is to have a reminder. I want you to go ahead and get one of these hoodies. Or you get you a t-shirt. I got, I got a couple options for you. So get you a hoodie or a t-shirt just, just to remind yourself, just to keep it as a as a memento, you'd be like, man, today's goal is to make progress. My only goal is to make progress. Progress is the only goal. So if that fits you and you feel like you need to make progress to be your goal, go ahead and hit the link in the description below and invest into yourself, invest into that reminder. Treat it like an alarm clock to remind you that you need to make progress. Make sure that you're focused and being intentional about the work that you have today. So progress is the only goal. Uh, hit the description below to invest into yourself. It's not about me investing into yourself to remind yourself that progress is my goal for today. So that, that's enough for me, man. I hope I didn't interrupt you. Get back to the episode. Yeah, man. Um, so growing up, you watched LO. Yep. You know, that was you guys. So um, were you always a hooper or was it um, a late bloom? Like, what? How, how did you get into the game? So early on for me with basketball, always always liked it wasn't athletic like I was fast but like that was my only attribute <laughs> so um I think right around middle school eighth grade is when I started to take basketball like serious like man I'm actually like try to play and be good played on a couple AAU teams um and then eventually got better um so freshman year in high school I tried for the team and I actually get cut it's a crazy story but uh, I get cut and uh I remember I was mad I was sick salty about it like I seen dudes who I didn't think were good at all make the team, but I did it. And I was like, how, he, you know what I'm saying? So stuff like that, but I could have been bitter and I was initially, but then 
that whole summer, I was like, man, I'm in the gym. And like you said, like early on, before Mamba mentality became a thing, and early on, I'd be sitting there, it's like, man, I don't feel like going today. I'm like, I didn't like how I felt getting cut. I'm going to the gym or I'm going outside to the park. And I just went, worked on my game all summer. So sophomore year, um, and I played basketball like my whole life, but this is early on. Sophomore year, I go trial for the team for uh, JV and made the team, but I was so nervous that I got sick. Like when I found out I made the team, cool. And I went through up in the bathroom. <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> so I didn't even practice the first day, but uh, all the dudes knew they knew I like worked on my game and then cool, make the team. But, um, and then after that, after sophomore year, junior year, senior year, you know, I was on varsity at that point. And then, like I said, I played D3 co- college basketball, but always been a fan of basketball. I love other sports. I played tennis um, for a brief stint freshman year in high school. Um, and the only reason why I did that, one of the coaches for basketball, he knew I got cut. He knew I was salty about it. He says, you want to know why? He said, you come play tennis, I'll get you faster. And I really played tennis. And then you think about because tennis, basketball, I think the one thing that translates for sure is the change of direction, the lateral movements, right? You're moving in the front of playing a lot. And then the react, the reactive component, like most sports, but again, re- you react to somebody else's motion or you react to the ball play, ball in play. So, um, Honestly, like he did that, and then I got defend. Not, a, I got to bring that back too. So, I play tennis. I get better, moving laterally. I get quicker, you know, change direction, all that. So, what? How did I translate to basketball? Mm-hmm. I was a really good defender. So, literally, that's how I got minutes. So, sophomore year, if I wanted to get in the game, who getting buckets? Josh, go in, shut them down. Say less. And then that literally was getting me minutes. And then junior year, I was when I start figuring out like, yo, I don't, I got to get buckets too, so I got to figure this part out. So it started out as getting athletic, right? So I get offensive rebounds, getting those buckets, or I get a steal, push and transition, get a layup, and then I started like finally like figuring out my game. So like mid range was like always early on. Hmm. I was just a late bloomer as far as on the athletic side. Like I was better. I'm better now than I was playing in college, which is sad because I was like, man, like if I waited, maybe I could have played D two, D one. I don't know, but. uh yeah, man, that was early on. Always just been always basketball. Like other sports was cool, but basketball was always number one. So where are you from again? I know we talked about it, but I can't remember. Where are you so, from again? Originally, I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, up north. Oh, it's, uh, it's probably cold right about now just because it's November. But, uh, yeah, born and raised there. And where did you play college ball? Played college ball. So Marion University, small D3 school in Wisconsin. Um, it's between, so people know Milwaukee and then Green Bay because of the Packers, but it's between Milwaukee and Green Bay, like Fond du Lac, Wisconsin's like right there in the middle, but, um, play D3 ball there. And then that was it from the athletic side. Then after that, got into the work field, found out about strength and conditioning. Um, really like D3 year, we didn't have a strength coach at the time. Like it, strength conditioning, like originated like in the eighties. So it's still kind of new, but, um, in the grand scheme of things, at least, but a guy came in for a summer before my senior year in college, and he was a strength coach. But really, I didn't know what he did. He just came in, trained us in the summer. I'm like, so what do you do? I'm like, are you like a personal trainer for athletes? And he's like, yeah, I'm a strength coach. And then I'm like, okay, cool. You get to wear like shorts and t-shirt to to work every day. He's like, well, yeah. And I'm like, and I guess I'm kind of dope. And then so nothing really popped off just yet then, but like that was the spark initially. And then after college get into the work field, my undergrad was in sports management. I, I wanted to be a strength coach. Like I wanted to go down that route and then mm. eventually start going down that route. Mm. So you want to get into that? I mean, I can explain that though. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. So, um, so, and then in college, right, I had the two knee surgeries. 
I went through rehab and stuff like that. So again, like all these things are going into play as like as far as like where my mind frame was and why I want to be a coach and going to strength conditioning. So I, early on, I saw like, well, if you train or if you rehab, you can get back to being 100. percent This dude was a strength coach. He got to wear shorts and t-shirt to work. Okay, I don't got to wear a suit. Okay, nice. Um, and then he was around athletes. It was a way to be around basketball because I still love basketball. I realized I couldn't play pro or anything like that. So basketball kind of led me into it early on. And then my first initial start, everyone knows IMG or familiar with it. Um, and then for me, I always say this, not in a bad way, but little brother to IMG was impact basketball. At the time, it was like three locations. I know there was one in Vegas. There was one in Florida. But um, I interned there. And I wouldn't even say it was a real internship. It was just an opportunity for me to get my feet wet and really say, like, hey, do I really want to do this? And the answer is yes. So um, I go back to Wisconsin. I get a job working at a front desk at Gold's Gym. And then I start doing an internship at UW-Milwaukee. So I finally get an internship. And then it was crazy because one of the personal trainers at the gym got his master's degree with the strength coach for UW-Milwaukee. So I put him down as a reference, which helped me get the internship. So I, I say that now because... When people say it ain't what you know, who you know, that's a perfect example. So, mm -hmm. and actually, I'll tell you how all this networking goes into play and why that's so important. But um, so I get the internship UW Milwaukee, do a good good enough job there. But a lot of people, I needed experience, so I also do an internship at Marquette. So UW Milwaukee, Marquette, mm -hmm. those are the two Division One schools in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So I interned at both those places, and then I still didn't have an opportunity yet, as far as like in the in the field, I'm kind of an introvert naturally. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't know the networking piece or anything like that. I went to a D3 school, so we didn't have a strength coach. It wasn't like I can go back and intern. I didn't know anybody in the field or anything like that. But um, so after I interned at Marquette, I didn't really have anything going on, but I found this part-time opportunity at high school. And basically it was like create a strength conditioning program for them. And um, so I did that. It helped me grow. I was learning a bunch on the fly because I was, I was in charge of me by myself. They even gave me a little budget to buy equipment. So uh, it was cool, nice little learning experience there, man. But again, like I didn't know anything really. And for me, I came to the understanding of like, man, if I'm gonna make it as a strength coach, I have to get out of my comfort zone. And that meant I had to get out of Wisconsin, I had to get out of Milwaukee. I had to be in a situation where I was gonna sink or swim. So applied to every internship outside of Wisconsin. And fortunately I got one at uh, Stanford. It was an unpaid internship mm -hmm. for six months. And what you're competing for a pay spot. So my plan was, okay, cool. I'll get there. I'll be the best intern. I'll get the paid opportunity. Life would be great. It did not go down like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and I say that because for, for people who don't know, Stanford is in the Bay Area, Palo Alto. It's one of the most expensive places in the country, if not the most expensive. And I say that like when I first moved out there, I remember I got a salad and added chicken and it came out to $27 when we went out to eat one day. This was for a salad and chicken. I'm like, what? So it hurt, like I hurt my feelings, it hurt my wallet, but um, that's tough. So right, but um, so I'm there at the time, Corey Schlesinger, and uh, he's the head strength coach, head of performance with the Phoenix Suns right now. But I was about at to the ask time, about that. yeah. So at the time, he was at Stanford, but when I apply to all these internships, I, Instagram, right? Like I see him on Instagram, and I was like, man, his approach is different than everybody else. And I was just intrigued as to why. First off, not that it was battering. I mean, I didn't, I, I didn't know anything to say somebody else's training was bad. I, I didn't know enough, but. I was just so intrigued by his because it was just different. I was like, man, what does he know that somebody, everybody else don't? So for me to get the internship, I remember I was putting this in my head. I was like, yo, I'm going to get there. I'm going to intern. I'm going to learn from dude. Like, I just, I, I, I just, I gravitated to Corey for whatever reason. And um, 
Corey took me under his wing. Like he's been my guy to this day. I'm so appreciative of Corey because I feel like when I got to him, he really put me on and like my career kind of like trajectory went off. Um, so I, I'm at Stanford for only two months. Not a bad thing. Um, one, I was running out of money. So I budgeted and everything like that. I budgeted my money for six months. I did not expect what it was going to be when we really got out there and I'm running out of like funds. So if I didn't get this next opportunity, I was going to end up going back home. Like I was going to, I ran out of money. So, but, um, Ramsey Nigem, who's now at the university of Kansas, Ramsey also great friend of mine, always looked out for me. Um, but he was the strength coach, head strength coach for the Kings at the time, youngest strength coach in NBA in NBA history to this day. So, uh, I'm like you say, I'm getting my man's flowers when it's due, but, uh, he brought me on as an intern, but before all that happened, he came by Stanford and uh, he was there with Corey, they were talking, and I seen him. But if all my interns who know, like when I say I've been there, I've been there. So I'm in the middle of cleaning the weight room and all the other coaches were around when Ramsey came in, him and, him and Corey. It would have looked real bad if I stopped cleaning to go over and introduce myself. But I wanted to say, what's up? I see this dude in the league. I'm trying to you know, make it as a strength coach. I feel, I'm talking about networking. Like I need to go introduce myself. Yeah. But in that moment, I was like, I don't want to put this spray bottle on this towel down just to say what's up. And then the other coaches be like, man, what are you doing? Go back to cleaning. You know, they sun me right in front of them. It look all bad. I was worried. In retrospect, I should have said F it and like, go do it. But um, after mm-hmm. the fact, Corey, again, such a real one, he comes up to me. He's like, yo, man, you know, you, you saw who that was. And I was like, yeah. And then he explained who he was. And then he said, why didn't you come over? I was like, man, I was about to, or I wanted to, you know, but I was cleaning. And then Corey's like, man, you should have came over. I would have vouched for you. And like, mm-hmm. like, so I'm like, man, like that's love. But, um, so to continue with that, Corey told me about the opportunity. It ain't chores for sure, but he said, you apply, I put a good word in for you, and then it's on you after that. So, okay, bet. So I applied, and I don't know how, how out of how many people it was. I want to say at least 40 at the time, but um, I ended up getting an internship, So and it was paid. So was Stanford a- for two months, right? Now I go up a little further north in uh, Cali to, to, to Sacramento. I get the paid mm-hmm. internship. So for me, that was a real – Almost I made it moment, not really, not quite, but almost is like, yo, I've been, before then I interned for maybe two years. So I finally started getting paid with the Kings, even though it was a paid internship, I think it was minimum wage, but I was like, hey, I'm getting something to do what I love and it's helping me cover these bills. In my mind, I was winning. So um, rocked out there for a year. It wasn't just me and Ramsey, uh, Evan Van Beesler, he was our strength conditioning coach at the time or assistant strength coach at the time, and Ernie de Los Angeles. He's now with the G League Ignite. Ernie was G, G League Ignite now, but he was also mm-hmm. the G League strength coach for uh, the Stockton Kings, and then before that, the Reno, uh, Reno, Reno uh, Nevada, where they were before Stockton. But um, mm-hmm. So it was us four. I talk about that group chat on Instagram. It's usually us four chopping it up. Um, we still conversate till this day, whether it be FaceTime, group text, group chat, what have you, but um, it was us four together. So... Um, them guys, like, I would reach out to, um, even, like, now I get off the phone, like, rap with them, but, um, so fortunate of those dudes, but that was, uh, the Kings, and then, so their fourth season, it was a seasonal internship, and then again, like, Ramsey and all those guys, they're looking out for me, trying to find my next opportunity, and I mentioned this again, we talk about networking, so Corey helped put me on with the Kings, I get the opportunity. Ramsey and Evan and Ernie and all those guys, they helped me for the next opportunity, um, Ramsey went down to Houston when they played the Rockets and he met up with Alan Bishop. He's the University of Houston men's basketball strength coach. Mm-hmm. And currently uh, he's still there. I'm currently in Houston right now. So he's literally right up the way, but I've met him before. So it's cool to have him right here in the backyard. But um, I talked to him 
and the plan was to get an opportunity at UH. That didn't happen, but he says, would you be interested in a GA opportunity, big time SEC school, you know, it's men's basketball. I didn't care about anything else. I was like, yeah, I didn't know the school. I didn't know the school or anything like that. <laughs> so uh, he says, cool. I'll, I'll touch base with you in a couple of days. I'm like, okay. Um, who hit me up after was uh, Damon Davis, who was and currently is the head strength coach for men's basketball at Auburn University. So War Eagle first, I got to say that, let people know. Um, <laughs> but uh, he had reached out to me through text and I was so excited. I'm like, yeah, what I got to do? I was acting like the opportunity was already mine. And he was like, hold on, hold on. First off, let's, let's get on the phone. So <laughs> I kind of showed like my ink, my eagerness and maybe like how young I was. But I was just so excited for the opportunity. So we get on the phone, we talk and um, things actually went really well. But from other opportunities I've heard about and just things I experienced, if it's not in writing, it doesn't exist. So he was telling me, you know, mm -hmm. I got it, but I want to see it in writing. And that was making me uneasy. Right. Like I'm finna Sacramento, California, I'm going to move across the country again, technically, and move to Auburn, Alabama, but I had nothing in writing to show for it, so I was scared. Mm -hmm. And uh, talking with Ramsey and him, you know, that's my circle I confided in him. They said, why don't you just call him and ask? And just tell him how you feel, and, like, I'm sure, like, he can explain. So I said, okay. So I called, and, uh, yo, Damon, man, I just want to say appreciate the opportunity, but I'm a little uh, uneasy right now. I don't have anything in writing, you know, like, is there anything I can ensure this is a done deal before I start making arrangements? And he was very cool. He was like, yeah, man, my fault. I didn't uh, smooth anything over or anything like that. He was like, I'm just waiting for them to clear everything so I can get you the paperwork and submit mm -hmm. the background check and all that. So I was like, oh, and that made, man, when I say like, if, for anybody out there, like if you're going to take a, uh, a lesson from this, if you're unsure about something, go to who you need to go to and call them and just ask. It'll make you, it'll take care of everything. I promise you. But anyway, um, so talk to him and uh, that reassured everything. I get to Auburn. Um, rocked out there, man, wonderful opportunity between the Kings and in Auburn, them probably my two best experiences. I learned a lot. I got to grow a lot. Um, one of the places we won a lot, <laughs> but uh, it was just a, a hell of an experience, man. I, I won't take any of that for granted, but um, was at Auburn for two and a half years, looking for a job after. I got my master's there and everything like that, looking for a job after, but COVID hit. And uh, so for people who don't know, like in the basketball field, COVID, or excuse me, basketball jobs usually open up around the summer. Mm -hmm. And uh, COVID hit. So for me thinking I'm going to get a job in May, maybe June at the latest, I didn't get a job till August because of COVID, right? And people weren't really hiring like that at the time. So it was a little different. But um, I ended up getting a job at UMass. So that was my first head gig. And uh, everything was great. Um, again, it was how you were working through challenges of COVID and things like that. But uh, my first opportunity there and that's where I'm fortunate, you know, that's where I met my fiance and um, we met and ultimately we made, came up with the decision that we're going to move to Houston. She was getting an opportunity to get her PhD paid for and they're paying her to do it. So in my mind, that's a no brainer. Like you got to go to Houston, but we spent so much time together doing COVID long distance distance really wasn't an option. Like there's no way. And for me to make it work, like I made a business, I made a personal decision rather. And I resigned. I quit my job at UMass. I want to move down there. And for me, I mean, life's short, man. Like we've seen people who pass due to COVID. We see some of our favorite rappers, some of my favorite athletes who pass. We see like, as you get older, like I feel like more and more people end up leaving. And if anything, man, like this life ain't for certain and short mm -hmm. and don't take nothing for granted. So um, I've just been real fortunate for everything in my life. So for me to like make that decision, like it was a no brainer. It's like, yo, if I want to be with her, I got to make this work. Mm -hmm. And the biggest thing, the most important thing to me is family. Like I learned that very early on. 
I've seen that like being engulfed at uh, Auburn, like they really like embody that. So like, when, like I don't work there or anything like that, but like when p- athletes and stuff like that go to Auburn, people wonder why, especially when they're Under Armour, when Nike might be the craze, like they really embody family and like they really look out for you. They take out and look out for you. Like they really take care of you there. So that was really big for me, like family. And so for me, like to move down here with her, Houston, it's been great, honestly. Like I haven't had zero complaints. I missed the field on that end, but I'm still embarking on something new, trying to start my own business. I'm still training people online and in person. Mm. And it's just different. We just had a baby girl. Um, I'm, getting off, I'm getting off track, but thank you. We just had a baby girl this past summer. So life's changing, but I mean, like we, we do things in our career. We want to grow, you know, we want to succeed, but don't forget to succeed in life. You know what I'm saying? We all have a purpose, whatever that may be, and just enjoy it, man. So I'm happy I'm joining like this new phase, family, I'm still training like that, you know what I'm saying? I'm not missing anything like that. I actually get to play basketball more than what I was before. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, man, I mean, that's, that's that's my journey. That's where I'm at right now. That's what I got going on. Whew. <laughs> All right, so just to help me paint, just paint this picture. Give me yeah. the time frame around when you were at Marquette because I, I, it's, it's a follow-up that I might want to have behind that. So what okay. was the time frame you were at Marquette? Oh, okay. So I'm going back into the archives. Let me see if I get the years right. I want to say it was 2014, 2015, Marquette. Um, head coach there was Woj. Woj. Well, I can't even say his last name all the way, but uh, he's previously. Uh, yeah, he was with Duke, right? Yes, he was with Duke. But okay, Coach yeah. Woj, people know Woj. Um, forgive me. I can barely say Coach Yusefsky. So uh, <laughs> so all, all my, 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 blue, my Blue Devil fans out there, bear with me. But, uh, yeah, he was there at the time. Um, the head strength coach there was Todd Smith, which is a cool dynamic because he was a head strength coach for men's basketball. His wife actually also worked there. She was the strength coach for women's basketball, some other sports too. But it was cool to see that dynamic because they both were hard asses. Not that that's a bad thing. Like I personally respond to that well. Like, you know, just be blunt, be straightforward. It's cool. But um, so it was cool to see that dynamic. But the whole staff there, like they really worked together and like they gelled well. But that was my time at Marquette. Mm. Okay. Well, because I'm a big D Wade fan, so I was like, okay. I was like, oh, okay, you know. Then Jimmy Butler went there too, and I think mm-hmm. uh, Jay Crowder. I think Jay Crowder yep. went there too. Jay Crowder so I was like too. trying to piece it together. What time frame were you there? So, so D-Wade, no, none of those dudes were there. Um, I'm trying to think who was there at the time as far as players that at least would be known right now. Honestly, not many at the time. Uh, with D Wade and Jimmy Butler. So one thing about Marquette, it is downtown. It's close to uh, the Milwaukee Bucks arena. So when guys would come in, like uh, M- the NBA teams would come in on the road, a lot of times they would come to Marquette and train. So mm-hmm. you'll see a Jimmy Butler come through. You'll see a Dwayne Wade come through. Like obviously, you know, they visit their all stomping grounds. They come work out there. Um, I believe Dwayne Wade actually donated uh, money there. Jimmy Butler probably did too. So I don't want to like discredit that, but like guys come back and donate, you know, to help the program, things like that. But um, so you'll see those pro guys come through that's an opportunity to meet the other nba strength coaches again when i was interning at the time you talk about networking and then you never know who you'll meet you'll never know like like how that goes down so um network introduce yourself put your face out there it's okay if you embarrass yourself i mean at the end of the day people might remember you they might not for good or bad but hey if they, your name rings a bell most of the time that's probably could be a good thing so yeah man so from there Cali, mm-hmm. right? Stanford first. Yeah. So I'm big. I'm a big, big Corey Schlesinger fan. Like lately, I've been like 
binge listening to every podcast he's been on, just really trying to, like I told you, I'm working on something, so I'm trying to, he's one of the guys that I'm kind of stealing from and, you know, sampling to be like, okay, let me get the philosophy down and understanding certain stuff. So Corey is, is one of the few guys, when it comes to strength and conditioning, he's one of the few guys that I strategically follow and look up to. Um, so give me something that you learned from him specifically, because like you said, his philosophy and stuff is so almost abnormal when it comes to basketball and it's it's so left field and it just it kind of shocks people especially if you're not open-minded or if you're not you know uh used to the mindset strength condition so give me something that you learned from Corey. yo i really appreciate you taking the time out to listen to this episode and my interview that i had with josh washington from performance hoops but we had to cut it into two parts so this is only part one Stay tuned next week for part two. In the meantime, in between time, make sure that you are subscribed to all my YouTube watchers. Make sure you subscribe. Hit the subscribe button. Follow along for all the other episodes coming out. If you are on Spotify, Apple Music, and pretty much anywhere else that you're getting your podcast on for my listeners, go ahead and follow, subscribe. Give me a nice little five-star review, and we will see you guys next week as well. So that's it. Appreciate you guys for listening again. Uh, Have a good one. Be safe. See you.